Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Fancy Scientist podcast. I have mountain lions on my mind. I keep getting signs that I need to talk more about mountain lions. Well, really, it was one sign. But last week, we talked with Kyle, the trail runner who had an encounter with an aggressive mountain lion mom. And this week, I noticed in a Facebook group that I'm part of, a North Carolina identification group, somebody had posted a picture of parts of a deer carcass high in a tree. And then they asked what would have caused this. Everyone commented, mountain lion, cougar, those are the same animal, puma. I commented that there are no mountain lions in North Carolina. When I commented this, I felt like I was dropping a bomb and then running away because I knew people were going to comment on this because so many people either say they've seen a mountain lion or know somebody who who has has said that they've seen a mountain lion. But like I said, There are none in North Carolina. So that's what I am going to talk about today. And even if you are not in the United States or North America, so mountain lions live in North, actually South America too, North, Central, and South America, we are going to talk about how do you know if a species is really there or not? How can scientists study this and determine if there is an extinction or an extirpation, which is a local extinction. So we'll be talking about that today on the Fancy Scientist podcast. So let's run the music and then we can get started. Hi, I'm Dr. Stephanie Shuttler, a wildlife biologist who's learned throughout her career studying animals that science alone cannot save species. We need you. In the Fancy Scientist podcast, you'll learn about fun animals, conservation tips, and science advice, all while breaking stereotypes about what a scientist looks like. Let's get started. Before I start talking about mountain lions, I have two dogs, one of which is seven years old, and I gave him a Himalayan chew and a rawhide to chew. So if there's some grindy noises in the background, that is my dog. I'm trying to keep him as quiet as possible. And now he's antagonizing the cat. I have I have cats and dogs. So I'll try to edit those sounds out, but I'm sure there might be some, some background noise. That's okay. We love animals here at the Fancy Scientist podcast. Now, like I mentioned in the intro, there are no mountain lions in the eastern United States, or I said North Carolina, with the exception of the Florida panther. And as a reminder, when I say mountain lions, I'm talking about pumas, I am talking about cougars, it's all the same animal, puma conclore, and the Florida panther is not a separate species, it is a subspecies. In the United States, mountain lions are a Western species. They are an apex predator. And I came, prior to moving to Raleigh, North Carolina, I came from Columbia, Missouri, where I got my PhD at the University of Missouri, Mizzou. And at that time, 
In southern Missouri, we were just starting to get reports of mountain lions. So like I said, mountain lions are western species, but there is evidence that they had been expanding their range. And our lab worked closely with the Missouri Department of Conservation, and we actually had a black bear study in that area with camera traps and with hair snares to collect DNA from bears. And at that time, there had been some evidence of mountain lions being there. But there was evidence of individuals. It still wasn't established that they were there. Or from a wildlife perspective, we weren't saying that mountain lions are really there. To really have an animal be present, you need a breeding population. And by breeding population, we mean females and they're young. And of course, there have to be males there. But we'll talk a little bit later on in the episode about why you might see males and not females. And even if you have the presence of males, it doesn't necessarily mean that there's a population there. So in January of 2018, the United States Fish and Wildlife Service officially declared that the eastern cougar subspecies was extinct. And there's really no genetic difference between this subspecies and the the western species that we're all familiar with or the western subspecies. So it's not that sad from a species perspective, but of course it is sad that we used to have these amazing apex predators here in the eastern United States, but now they are gone. It hasn't been since the 1930s that there were breeding populations of cougars recorded in the northeast United States. So over the past 100 years, there have not been cougars, mountain lions regularly spotted in the in the east. And I don't know too much about this, but the U.S. Uh, Fish and Wildlife Service uh, investigated the population in 2011 and officially recommended its removal in 2015. I'm going to talk about today about how research that I worked on shows no evidence of mountain lions in the East. I used to give a lot of talks on the research that I did as part of eMAML, which is a large camera trap citizen science project. And when I mentioned the part about there being no cougars in North Carolina, people would get legitimately upset and almost like like offended. But as a scientist, I and as a public communicator, I of course listened to them, but I, I couldn't agree. And I couldn't agree with them that they are there as a breeding population. But at the end of this episode, we'll maybe talk about what people really did see. So in our research, as I mentioned, I work in eMAML, which is a large citizen science project. We run projects all over the world, scientists um, not associated with our organization can use eMAML as a platform to upload camera trap photos. So it is meant to be a database that can organize your camera trap photos, make it really easy for you to sort through them. 
Because if you set a camera trap, you might get hundreds to thousands of photos of animals just on one camera. And it is really easy to get them disorganized. So email helps you organize them. And then we are also an open access platform. So what this means is that you can download data and look at it, even if you are not a scientist. And the reason why scientists have open access platforms is to encourage collaboration, to encourage meta-analyses, because if you can easily access data from all over the country or all over the world, you can use these data then to conduct some large-scale analyses that would be a lot more difficult if scientists where um, each holding on to their own data, you would have to approach each one individually, which is not only time consuming, but you would also have to know about who's doing what. So eMammal makes it really easy for people to, to find and use camera trap data. The way that we run camera trap studies is at eMammal is by working with volunteers. Our research is citizen science, which means that volunteers, non-scientists, participate in actual scientific research. So in the two studies that I am going to talk about, the volunteers ran the camera traps. So they would either go to a location they were supposed to go to, a GPS coordinate that we gave them, or they ran their camera traps where they wanted to, which was usually in their backyard. When they are running the camera traps, they are placing them outside. The images get stored to an SD card in the camera trap. They then remove that card and use our software to upload the photos. We then receive the photos from them through the cloud. Before they upload them, they identify the animals as best they can. Therefore, in our citizen science projects, we not only work with some volunteers, but we're working with dozens of volunteers, even thousands of volunteers for some projects. And we are not the only people looking at these camera trap images. So I'm going to tell you about two studies that we did. One, actually, I I was not present for. I came at the end when we were analyzing the data or other scientists were analyzing the data. I actually did a study on deer vigilance in hunting and hiking and coyotes to see if humans and coyotes could replace apex predators in the east. I think I should do a podcast episode about that study. So I actually used the data. I am familiar with it, but I did not. I was not in Raleigh or working for the North Carolina Museum of Natural Sciences when this study started. In this study, the scientists worked with volunteers in 33 protected areas across the United States, or sorry, across the mid-Atlantic region of the United States. And this covered six different states. The initial study was set up to compare hunted areas to non-hunted areas. So about half the sites were hunted and half the sites weren't hunted. And these camera traps were set up on trail 
a little bit off trail and then farther into the woods. And it was really to look at how human recreation and human hunting affected wildlife. Across those six states, the camera traps were run each camera trap was not run for a year, but the but the project went years, meaning that camera traps were moved to new locations and ran. So there was there was a continuous collection of data from the camera traps. But across that large of an area, there was nothing that even closely looked like a mountain lion on the camera trap. After this study concluded, we focused our research in North Carolina and D.C. We are partners with the Smithsonian. EMAML is made up of the Smithsonian and the North Carolina Museum of Natural Sciences. So we pretty much always have continuous camera trap projects going on in that region. And in North Carolina, we were focusing on a couple of different studies. So my study involved working with kids at school. So I actually partnered with teachers to get camera traps in the classroom so so students could learn science by um, contributing to real science. And we co-created lesson plans based on our e-mammal research. So we had schools mostly close to Raleigh mostly in the suburbs or exurban areas, but we also had camera traps all over the state for, for the schools. And then we also had several studies after that or at the same time as that. Sorry, this is all going on at the same time. So our, our next larger scale study was looking at wildlife across an urban to wild gradient. So if you think about a city, there is a city center that is very urban. And then if you imagine concentric circles, kind of like an onion peeling around that city, there are areas of less development. So you start with urban and then you move to suburban, then exurban, then rural, and then you have wild, which is protected areas and where there's no human development allowed in those areas. So we had camera traps running across all of those zones for several years. When I was there, we also initiated a statewide camera trap program with the North Carolina Wildlife Resources Commission. So our goal was to conduct a camera trap study over three years to cover all 100 counties in North Carolina. So we had this massive plan to, or we enacted actually this, we did this, this is in the past. We distributed camera traps to libraries across the state where citizen scientists, volunteers could check them out to run them in their backyards or other areas that they had access to. We talked and coordinated with protected areas to let people set camera traps in those areas so they could adopt, quote unquote, adopt locations in state parks and place camera traps there. So our goal for the project is within each county, we wanted representation of the different habitat types in that county. 
because you want an an even coverage of the different the different habitat types so the different species are represented. We didn't just only focus on developed areas or wild areas. We wanted equal representation. So that study went for three years. We had camera traps, again, continuously running, not in the same location. Our camera traps were were run for three weeks at a time, and then they were moved so we could increase sample size. And this is because if you run a camera trap at one location, you're likely getting the same individuals over and over again. So three weeks is the shortest amount of time possible to get the maximum number of species for for our mammal communities here in North Carolina and the eastern United States. By moving the camera traps, we are actually increasing our sample size, and this allows us to conduct more powerful analyses. So we had school camera traps, we had camera traps all in and around Raleigh, and we had camera traps eventually across the whole entire state. And we found no evidence, no photos, nothing even close to looking like mountain lions. I have a Black Panther post up on my blog So it's primarily about talking about what is a black panther, which is a a colloquial term for a melanistic black cat, a large, a large, big black cat. So usually these are melanistic jaguars or leopards. But I had somebody comment on this this post because I talked about mountain lions in the east and. The comment was pretty long and detailed, and actually this person emailed me separately, which was even longer and more detailed. Well, no, it's, he, he emailed me saying that there were so many inaccuracies in my post, and then he, I asked him what they were because I was curious. I knew, I knew from his first email that he was not going to know more than me based on the things that he said, that he was not an expert in this. And he said there were lots of inaccuracies. So I asked him what they were. And he wrote back with this email, all of them, discussing all of them, where I could counter every single one of them. Maybe I'll bring that up at the end and see if there's anything interesting I forget to add in this podcast. But one thing that he talked about was that it was a government cover-up, that basically the government didn't want people to know that there are mountain lions. And this is the reason why there is no evidence of breeding populations, but so many people see them because the government doesn't want to admit that they're there. And I would guess the reason for this would be to not make people panic. We haven't lived alongside mountain lions or here in the East. We haven't for a long time. People do fear them, even though they are, you you hardly ever see them. And it's there's, there's hardly any attacks with mountain lions. Your chances of getting bit by a dog, that's, that's really the most dangerous wildlife encounter you can have here. But the idea is, or I would guess that they wouldn't want to get people upset or scared. So that's, that's my, what I think that he thinks. But because we work with 
the public, we work with citizen scientists, we are not the only scientists looking at the camera trap photos. As I mentioned before, the volunteers upload the photos first. So we are not working with with the government. And although this project wasn't a collaboration with the state government agency of North Carolina, we can't control the photos that were received on the initial upload. So if he thinks that the government is burying these photos, burying this evidence, in the case of our project, that would absolutely be impossible because anyone could sign up for, for this project. Anyone could volunteer. And if they found a mountain lion photo, they could they could very much just tweet it out or post it on social media or even um, send it to the media. So it would be very hard for us to bury that. And if we sent out an email alerting people, that would set off red flags. So we didn't we we didn't do that. That is not what I'm saying at all. But I'm saying if you if if we wanted to bury this information, which of course we don't, it would be really hard to do so. So that's really the the main evidence that we have that there's really no breeding populations of mountain lions in in North Carolina and the eastern United States. And I'll talk a little bit more about some other evidence. But a lot of people argue that mountain lions are really secretive, that you're not going to find them. But au contraire when it comes to camera traps. So we have partners, like I said, any scientist can upload their photos on eMammal. So we have projects that are run in Montana, that are run in Washington State. And actually, one of my scientist friends and collaborators, Mike Cove, piloted this eMammal project called Snapshot USA, where he's working with universities in every single state in the United States to run camera traps at the same time. And they only get mountain lion photos where in mountain lion range in the Western United States. And we get mountain lion photos in the projects in Washington State and Montana frequently. Even I worked in a couple of projects with my schools where we weren't expecting mountain lions. Not that they weren't there, that they were out of range, but I partnered with schools in Mexico and we just didn't expect to get mountain lions in this particular area because apex predators do tend to be more sensitive to development. So usually you don't get those kinds of species on camera traps when there is more human activity. So we were pretty surprised and pleasantly surprised that we had mountain lions in that area. In another study that I am participating in a very small nature park in an urban area of Suriname in South America, we actually compare our camera traps to the the mammal community we observe from the camera traps to a larger protected area in central Suriname, a much, much larger, like it's crazy how much bigger it is. This park that that we set camera traps in, in was so small. And actually, this study was just recently accepted for publication. So I'm sure I'll do a podcast episode about this. But even in this little park, we got photos of mountain lions. And we were really surprised to find them there because we did not think that there would be any large, big cats there. So where mountain lions are, 
they're not avoiding camera traps. They're not scared of camera traps. So it's not like we're putting camera traps out and they are there, but they're just walking around camera traps or avoiding them and we can't detect them. If Eastern mountain lions are like the Western ones, we should be getting them on our camera traps. Not frequently, you don't get predators too frequently, but you should. we should be getting them on the camera traps. As a comparison, in our statewide project, we have photographed the red wolf, which is a critically endangered species. There are only estimated 20 to 30 red wolves, wild red wolves. The rest are in captivity. And with only 20 to 30 individuals, we still get them on the camera traps. There is also the Florida panther, the subspecies, and there are camera trap studies that that photograph them as well. And this animal, there are only about 150 left in the wild. If there were eastern mountain lions, you would also expect other evidence with the biggest one being finding carcasses, finding dead bodies, as morbid as that sounds. But with those 150 Florida panthers that I talked about, in 2020, this I'm looking at an article from Tampa Bay News, and this was published on January 14th, 2020, so only 14 days into the new year, And four of the Florida Panthers from that small population were hit by cars. Sorry, three of them were hit by cars and one was struck by a train. So if we did, even with a small population of eastern mountain lions, if they did exist, we would expect them to get hit by cars once in a while. There are also other non-invasive signs, such as finding hair samples, scats, and tracks of, of the cougars, and we are not finding those in the east either. And you can look at the verified presence of cougars, so either on through photos or through these other means, on cougarnet.org. That's an organization that that verifies this information and makes it accessible to the public. And if you look at the map, you'll see that there are no verified sightings or evidence anywhere close to North Carolina. Another thing I wanted to add in relation to that photo posted to the North Carolina uh, Wildlife Identification Facebook group that I follow is that mountain lions don't drag their prey up trees in general. This is something that leopards do, but mountain lions don't. Now, it's not out of the question that they would never do this, but it's not typical mountain lion behavior. I talked with my colleague and she worked on a study where she tracked mountain lion kill sites for six months and she never saw this once. So typically they cache somewhere on the ground. So what did bring the carcass up in the tree? I don't know, but my guess would be some sort of large raptor like a bald eagle. When it comes to these mountain lion sightings, what do people really see when they think they see a mountain lion? 
because so many people have these stories. So, so many people. So what's really going on? Well, first, it is most likely a misidentification. And we would get this all the time with our email camera trap photos. Like I said, we have volunteers upload them in the first place. So we didn't have any mountain lion photos to for them to misidentify, but we see misidentifications happening all the time with, with other animals. And in these cases, you're looking at a static photo, whereas with these people who say that they see an animal, it's a fleeting experience because they often don't have any photos. We always ask for the photos and they say that they swore they saw it, but for some reason they, they don't have any photos. So many people misidentify cougars that this scientist, Dr. Michelle LaRue, who, who studies them, started, started this game on Twitter with a hashtag cougar or not. And she releases photos on a weekly basis and anyone on Twitter can guess if it's a cougar or not. So frequently, they are other animals that people submit for professional identification, bobcats, dogs, deer, house cat, which I know sounds unbelievable because people are like, I really saw this. I know what bobcats look like. I know what house cats look like. But your eyes can play tricks on you. And I've even had people who have sent to me photos. I'm thinking of this one person in particular. They sent me a photo of, or a couple of photos of what they considered to be a black panther that was in the distance and it, and it was in a field and it ended up being a black house cat. It was a big house cat, but us camera trappers who identify animals and camera traps all the time, we always look at the perspective of the animal in relation to the surrounding vegetation. And it just wasn't the right size in addition to, in addition to other morphological factors for it being a cougar. A lot of times when you see animals and they're fleeting, you don't get to see evidence of some of the, the key distinctions. So for bobcats, they have a really short tail. So it may be that a bobcat goes running and you, and you think it looks like a, like a cougar, but you didn't get a good look at it. So misidentifications are by far really what most of these observations likely are. Also for the Black Panther photo this woman sent, she also sent, she also walked up to the area after it left and took pictures of its paw prints. And I told her they were dog because you could see the nail and the and for canids, they, they don't retract their, their nail, unlike cats. So you could you could see the nail, so it was clearly dog, but she just didn't want to believe me. Um, so in her mind, it was a Black Panther, and those were um, big cat prints of some sort. I'm also going to say it is possible that some people did see a mountain lion, and there are two explanations for this. Now, I know, you, I know I said that there are no mountain lions in the east, and there aren't in terms of breeding populations, but there's two ways that mountain lions could show up um, where people can see them. 
The first is being an escapee from an animal park or a private collection. If you've seen the Netflix docuseries Tiger King, you'll learn that Americans have an obsession with owning big cats, especially tigers. There are an estimated more tigers in captivity in Texas alone than in the entire world. And although tigers, I believe, are the the number one big cat privately owned. There are definitely people that that own captive mountain lions. My brother and his wife have a a home in a really rural area of upstate New York, and they have this traveling circus there that, that owns mountain lions in captivity. So it's possible that some people really did see a mountain lion and it was an escapee from a private collection and not a wild individual. Now, if you go on cougarnet.org and look at the range map, you will notice that although there are no sightings close to North Carolina, that there are actually some verified sightings in some areas that are pretty far east, like Connecticut. So that means that scientists agree that a real, a real deal cougar was found there. So what is going on in that case? Well, It has actually happened, and it's possible that maybe people are seeing some random dispersing mail. So in 2011, there was a mountain lion that was hit by a car, and genetic tests, oh, sorry, and this was in Connecticut, and genetic tests revealed that this mountain lion was originally from South Dakota. For many mammal species, when the males become sexually mature, they leave their natal home range where they were born and they have to go and find a new territory, a new place to live because otherwise they're gonna experience too much competition with the males already present there. So this is what we call dispersal behavior. They're gonna disperse into a new a new habitat, a new, or not a new habitat, but a new home range for them. And some of these animals make really large dispersals and this one eventually made its way all the way from Connecticut. So this was a wild cougar. They could tell, scientists could tell by the way that it, it looked, it had some porcupine quill marks in it. So it apparently tried to eat a porcupine at one point and it didn't have some other signs of captivity that usually you can find such as being declawed, which is like horrible and there's and or having nails shaved down. So there actually was a wild cougar in Connecticut. But again, this is not a breeding population. So this is a fluke event. And the eastern, the eastern population of mountain lions is unfortunately no longer there. And it is really, really highly unlikely that you actually saw a mountain lion. I'm sorry to tell you that. I'm so sorry. I know it breaks your heart. I know you want to believe, but unfortunately, there is no concrete scientific evidence that a breeding population exists. If you think you have seen one and you have photographic evidence, you can actually submit your photo. I believe you can submit it to cougarnet.org. And you can also post it on social media and tag Michelle LaRue in it. I will put her handle in the show notes. Actually, just let me look it up right now for you. 
She is at Dr. Michelle LaRue, so L-A-R-U-E. You can also tag me in those photos. I have experience looking at mountain lions from my work in Suriname and Mexico, and I am happy to tell you what I think it is. In that case of the black cat, I actually sent it to my colleagues too, just to just to verify, and it was absolutely a domestic cat. So if you really think you have one, please send them to me. I'd love to see them. You can also, like I said, tag Michelle. You the hashtag cougar or not. You can follow cougar or not on Twitter and play along and get better at your cat identification skills. In summary, these are some of the ways that scientists can tell if a species is there or not, at least for terrestrial ground dwelling species that are above the leaf litter and a little bit larger. So those that can be detected by camera traps. So camera traps, DNA sampling, setting up hair snares, looking for scat, looking for tracks, those types of things we can collectively use to know if a species is there. If you love wildlife, love conservation, love science-based information, which can be rare nowadays, then please share this podcast or rate my podcast in iTunes. I would be so grateful for you. I already am really grateful for you, but this is just a great way for other people to discover the podcast. I just really want to get out messages of appreciating wildlife, loving wildlife, living alongside wildlife and conservation. And when you uh, rate my podcast, it you know triggers the algorithm and it lets other people find it. So I would greatly appreciate it if you could share it with a friend or give it a rating on iTunes. I love hearing from you guys. I am starting to get some great reviews on getting a job in wildlife biology, what it's like and what you need to know. If you don't know, this is my book released just last month. This is my my baby and it's advice for anyone who is aspiring to be a wildlife biologist, really of any age. I'd say starting from middle school up. I provide tips at all different levels based on my experience being on this in this field. And I think my book is so unique because I struggled to get a job. It wasn't easy for me. So I have a lot of lessons learned. I w- faced a lot of challenges. And I also was recently on the job market. A lot of the advice that you'll hear from professors is outdated. I have found it not to be applicable in today's job market. So I keep it really real with you in this book and give you advice to really help you get the jobs that you want. I hear so many people talking in these wildlife Facebook groups about jobs being competitive. So by getting this book, you will really get um, to have that competitive edge. Once again, I'm so grateful for you guys. Feel free to contact me with any show ideas or anything you're struggling with. I love hearing from you. I'm at Fancy Scientist on all social media. I hope you have an amazing day and be kind to animals and be kind to each other. Be kind to yourself and go vote. <laughs>